So last week, we kind of finished up in verse 13 of Romans chapter, or yeah, in, in Romans chapter 9, verse 13. Um, we kind of alluded to some of the things that we will be looking at today. Um, we're going to be looking today, hopefully we, we make some good progress on this, um, but I'm kind of the, the block of text in Romans chapter 9 that I'm hoping that we're able to cover here kind of runs from Romans 9 verse 14 down through really like Romans 9 verse 24. We are going to be spending a lot of time today looking outside of uh, Romans into some of the references that are made in the Old Testament. Um, but this is kind of the, I want us to kind of keep just this uh, Romans 9, 14 through 24 in mind. Um, before we, before we touch on that, and I kind of made, I kind of made, um, a point as I was going through this in preparation, reminding myself over and over and over and over and over again, not to forget <clears throat> to start somewhere else other than Romans chapter 9 for this particular, um, for this particular case. So we're going to be running through um, the I'll be merciful to who I'm merciful, who, who I'm mer- or I'll show mercy to who I'll show mercy, and I'll harden who I'll harden. And we're going to be looking today specifically at the hardening of Pharaoh. Um, and I, w- I want to kind of set us up with the frame with the frame of mind. And and this is not. Um, I w- so I'll say this. This is a, a way that I interpret this, okay? This is an interpretation that I have specifically regarding um, how God approaches hardening. And it comes from a couple of different places. Primarily, I think that when Scripture's speaking of God's hardening, um, I think when we think about this action, we think about this action as God reaching in and doing some act to harden. Um, I think that Scripture tells us enough about who we are that my picture of how that hardening is is actually played out is is not a God having to reach in to harden, but in fact God drawing back, and that when God draws back from the heart of man, fallen man especially, um, we don't get softer. We grow harder, okay? And, and I want us to look in Romans chapter 1 for this, um, specific, for this specific idea. So um, we're going to look at Romans 1 verse 24. We're going to look at verse 26. And then we're going to look at verse 28 and kind of read through the end of 1 there. So, so the specific phrase that I want you to look for here, I'm, I'm in the ESV. It may phrase a little differently in others, but the idea is going to be there, essentially that God gave them up. There's three times that we're going to see right here that, that phrase used, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up to the loss of their hearts, to the imp- impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among, among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served creatures rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Then in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonor passions down in verse 28 and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness 
evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they... Listen to this. When God gives them up, do they become better people? No. They know God's righteous decree. This is verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they know this. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So when God gives us up, when God steps away, when He withdraws Himself from our situation, whether it be within our lives, whether it be within our culture, whether it be within the world as a whole, do we go towards a a path of, of righteousness? Do we get better as people? What happens when God withdraws? What happens when God gives us up? We get worse. Right? We are hardened. We are fixed in the path that we are set that we are set in as lost people. And that path is not a path towards righteousness. So uh, the, Paul opens us up with this idea, right, of God giving up, and when God gives the people up, if he gives you up, what happens? You're hardened, you're fixed in your in your in your path. There is no hope for you. To be drawn to righteousness if God gives you up or if God pulls away. Right? Though you see all the miracles that He will do in Egypt, without Him moving, drawing near to you, those miracles will more firmly fix you in your sinfulness then they will turn you around. You would be able to see the miracles of Egypt and it only make you grow more cold to God and His people. Right? This is the reality. When God gives us up, when God draws back, we grow hard in our hearts, fixed in our ways. So I want us to have, like when we think about hardening, um, a lot of times when we think about what happens to Pharaoh when we start looking at these n- n- a number of places where it's just Pharaoh's hardened or Pharaoh hardened his heart or God hardened Pharaoh's heart and we see time and time and time again we see this a lot of times and the reason that we're like man this is unfair is that we see Pharaoh in a better light than we ought to see Pharaoh right and that's because we see ourselves apart from Christ in a better light than we ought to see ourselves Right? So we think in some way because we're closer to Pharaoh than we are the righteousness of Christ. When we see what occurs to Pharaoh, we see it as, well, God must have had to reach in and harden him because he would have been a good guy otherwise. Right? Right? But here's, but that's, that's the problem, right? Is that we can see that and we can know that, but still, there's some piece of us that thinks we're good. There's some piece of us that as Paul pours out what he says in Romans chapter 1 that we say, well, that's, that would be an exception for me, though. Right? And he goes into the Jews and he's like, y'all had the law, and what did you do? 
Did it make you righteous? No, it made you worse because now you, now you had a list of things to see how many times you were failing. Right? So even having the law could not make you righteous. Right? So we need to have a better view of who we are apart from Christ to fully understand what is taking place when he speaks about Pharaoh's hardening. Right? So as we have kind of gone through, we've, we've, we have the example of the angels and, and the fallen angels have no, um, like redemption is not offered to them and God is not unrighteous or unholy or less good because he does not offer the fallen angels a path to redemption, right? He's still holy and completely good, righteous, kind, just, merciful, Right? even though he does not give them a path. Now, he's offered to us this path through Christ, right? And if we were to try to come by any other means than through faith in Christ alone, we will find ourselves far from God, right? Far from God. There's, there's one path, right? Um, and we can see this in, in kind of how he's pointing in chapter 9 to this ever-narrowing ever narrowing funnel that election has been um, working up to the point of like hitting that one man, Christ, and then exploding it out beyond. So um, as we, <clears throat> I want us now to read um, Romans chapter 9. We're going to read 14 through um, 24, but then we'll jump back into the Old Testament. And, and look at a couple of cases here. So, um, as I said last week, and I know there's a lot of context getting set up for this. So, as I said last week, as we follow through Romans chapter 9, if you, in your understanding of the text, don't find yourself being drawn to the same questions that Paul is answering, then you're likely not approaching the text that precede that correctly right so the natural flow of what paul is saying as he's going through <clears throat> chapter 9 the natural flow leads to the questions that he begins addressing right and we find ourselves now kind of in the middle of of kind of addressing those um so verse 14 what shall we say then is there injustice on god's part so that's a natural question that outflows from this idea that he's been putting forward. Like, it should not be a surprise that you feel that question in your heart because Paul is aware that you will feel that way. Right? And he, he, he's like, what then? Like, when he says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. We covered that text um, last week. When we read that, what happens to our heart? What do we say? We're, we're like immediately we go towards the justice of God. Okay. One, I think that's a place where we need to better understand the position of our hearts apart from the working of God in us. Right. Romans chapter one, Romans chapter two, Romans chapter three. Spend some time there. Um, we're not in a good position without God. Pharaoh was not a good man headed on a good path. And then God fixed his heart in one moment in time. That's, that's not what we're going to find. Um, God left Pharaoh to Pharaoh's devices. Um, thanks be to God that He has not done the same for us, lest we would go on the same path. 
Okay, um, so we should be naturally asking this question, having having been um, brought that quote there in in the last part of thirteen. So what then shall we say? Is there injustice on God's part? Um, what does Paul do here? First, he gives us the answer. By no means. So is God unjust? Is God unkind? Is God unmerciful? No. Right. Paul oftentimes goes on long rabbit trails to answer questions. This is one of those where he starts with the answer first, right? Is there injustice with God? No. There's no injustice with God. God is perfectly good, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. Now, to justify this answer, he gives us these two places in the text that we're going to look today. Verse 15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom... I have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Right? So why is it that you are here today following after Christ? Okay? So you believed. Right? You did believe. But all the paths that led to that possibility, none of them trace back beyond the will of God for you. Right? Like the, the primary foundational reason that we are here today, God. Right? Had He chosen to leave us as the angels who had fallen we would still answer the question there, is there injustice in God by saying by no means? Right? Like if all humanity was left fallen and broken, is there injustice in God? By no means. That's a, that's a foundational place. So God sets forward this plan to be magnifying His glory where it's most evidently seen in the cross of Christ. We see the wrath of God in the cross of Christ. We see the anger of God against sin in the cross of Christ. We see the mercy of God in the cross of Christ. God is magnified most magnified to us in this, in what he's done here. So is there injustice? By no means. And then he says to Moses here, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. I want us to go um, over into uh, Exodus real quick. Um, we're going to be, you, you put, put your finger kind of in two places. Um, Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to, as we go through these, because they're going to be shotgun here in a second, just like rapid fire. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll read the verses, but we're going to kind of start in chapter 3 here in a moment. Um, but the quote where he comes from here um, is actually over in chapter 33. And I, I want to point that out, um, that he, that this quote comes before what he quotes um, later in regards to all that happened to uh, to Pharaoh here, so um, this comes from uh, 
Exodus chapter 33, verse, uh, the latter part of verse 19. Um, so in this, Moses has... Um, actually, before we do that, flip to chapter 3. I want to show you the contrast between um, the Moses that we're going to read here at the end and the Moses that we see in the beginning of chapter Three. So Moses, um, here in, in, in kind of this, the burning bush experience here. Um, so verse 4, uh, when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, what? He said, here I am. Um, go down to the latter part of verse 6 there. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Um, so Moses, when Moses experiences this moment, what does he do? He hides his face from him. Now, this is the beginning of like Moses being shown great mercy. Like there is there is one Moses in all of history, right? That that experiences and and literally like begins this whole thing in the sense of like the written word for us right um very special place in 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 human history um we find him here at the beginning hiding his face from god he experiences miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle he 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 knows and experiences god more and more time and time and time and time again right the miracles that um Harden Pharaoh, embolden Moses, right? He hid his face. And at the end, he asked to see his glory, right? Like something, something changed. Now, we are oftentimes like that, right? Like as believers, we've experienced God. And in experiencing God, there is a danger for us on this side to start attributing the mercy and grace of God to ourselves. Okay? It is not wrong that Moses asked to see God's glory. Right? God does not call him out and shut him down. What a foolish request. You man who once hid your face from my very presence. Like you thought the burning bush was crazy. If you see my face, you'll die. Right? Let's flip over now. To verse 30, or chapter 33. The latter part of verse 19 is particularly... Um, so Moses recognized something else here too. This is um, the latter part of 16 um, where, where God's kind of promising to go with them and, and Moses um, rightly identifies who they are as a people with the presence of God with them. So he says, Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. So Moses recognizes that it is the presence of God that sets them apart. Not who they are as a people, but God with them that distinguishes who they are, right? And then he asks God to, to see his glory. Um, 
and we, we all know we all know how that turns out. I, I want to s- specifically pay attention here in the latter part of verse 19 where this quote comes from. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So Moses asked to see his glory, and what does God do? He, he shows him his glory all but his face. Right? Like, yes. Now, I want us to understand all that's happened, where he's bringing Moses, where they're going in the future. And then we get to this moment to where it would be very easy for Moses to be like, look what we did. And when Moses says, look what we did, he means me. (laughs) Look what I did. Like It can be very easy when God works in us for us to want to take a lot more credit than we ought. And we get to this place to where like boldness, our ability to, to walk into the Holy of Holies, we should be able to approach God boldly through Christ. Right? Being careful not to attribute that mercy as something that we are deserving or owed. Okay? So as God does this thing that Moses asks. He lets him know, you ask, and this is good, but ultimately, I show mercy to whom I show mercy. Right? Like, you don't call fire down from heaven, Moses. I send it. Right? Like, that, that he can come and ask is merciful. And God, God answers him. But he, God is not a genie called from a bottle right. here. Right? This mercy, this thing that sets you apart, that will continue setting Israel apart up to the point of the ultimate culmination of this work being Christ through your lineage, this is because I show mercy. Right? That's what he's telling him here. So when Paul quotes this, I want us, I want us to kind of have that in our mind here that like he this is not something that he quotes to Moses before the hardening. This is something that he says when this work has has been done. Like when we go quoting um, here in a little bit um, back from chapter three, we're going to quote from chapter three all the way up to like chapter thirty two. Like this hardening, 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 hardening is done. And then we see that mercy is shown by God, not at the request of man. Right? It's When I say not at the request of man, Moses asked and he received in this regard. But it is God who was free to say no. Right? Like God is not obliged to our demands or requests. And that's what he sets forward when he says this um, here to Moses, that that I will show mercy to whom uh, I will and be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom um, on whom I will show mercy, right? Like this is it is ultimately the source of this is um, is found in 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 God. So let's flip, okay? So um, in in where we were looking at in Romans here, as as Paul is kind of going into to answering this question um, in verse 14, what shall we say? That, this is Romans chapter 9, 
Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? He answers it swiftly, by no means. But then he doesn't just leave it there. He, he kind of goes on uh, to, to explain this a little bit. And he shows that it is God who's free to show mercy. And he shows mercy on whom he will. And he has compassion on whom he will. And then verse 16, it, that it depends not on human will or exertion. Right? The ultimate reason that God showed Moses his grace... His glory in that moment was not the will or exertion of Moses, but because God would show that mercy, right? And then verse 17 of uh, Romans uh, chapter 9, For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. earth. So then he has mercy on whoever he wills and he hardens whoever he wills and that is like that last part of 18 like the mercy on who he will and the hardening on who he will is difficult for us that's that's one of the more difficult places um, because i think we like to be in control Right. Ultimately, like I like I like I like to be in control of every situation, every destination um, and the slightest hint that I might not be in absolute control concerns me. Right. Um, And it like this this idea that God might be in absolute control and I might be in like a a type of subordinate control. it, it feels uncomfortable um, for the same reason that people who fly on airplanes sometimes feel uncomfortable because they're not like you. You are much more likely to die yourself driving to the airport than you are under the control of a professional flying you to another place. But like there's something about that control that we don't see the risk involved in the driving to and fro the, from the airport. But we we um, see more risk in the idea that someone else has control, even if they're even if they're qualified, and in the regards of God, most qualified, right? Um, so I want us now. So we've got a couple of things in the air here from Romans chapter one. We got this idea regarding regarding um, how how God approaches hardening, where we often think of it as reaching in. And then, like Pharaoh, the good guy's heading on a path, and God said, "Oh no, no, no! I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn that switch off, and you're gonna go in, in this puppet mode type of thing." And then we see in Romans chapter one this idea of God gave them up, and they go and do their thing. God gave them up, and they go and do their thing. God gave them up; they literally become inventors of evil, right? So much so that um, Romans one thirty-two, they though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They don't care. Not only do they do them, but they approve of others who do them. That's what happens when God gives us up. That is hardening. When we are hardened by the withdrawal of God from us, um, we don't go and make good decisions as a result of that. So um, we're going to be looking in in several places really quickly, starting in um, Exodus chapter 3. And then we're just going to move um, kind of chapter by chapter until we get done with this. So we're going to be looking at all, and this is an, it's just like 
an uncomfortably large number of places where um, there's hardening um, of the heart of, of Pharaoh here. Um, this word uh, that is here, um, all but one place in Scripture, this word is translate well, not all but one place. So um, when you look at the word that is translated here as hardened or hardened, um, it is translated almost exclusively to hardened through the text that we're going to look at. Okay, In other um, places where this word would be translated, where it's not specifically speaking to Pharaoh, um, it would be spoken of in the sense of like be, becoming resolute, becoming like strengthened in your position, right? Um, it, it, so like I, I, want us, I want us to kind of have that in mind that this word is not primarily or not exclusively throughout all of Scripture translated into hardened. Um, most of the times that you would see this translated, it would be translated into things that we would consider like positive attributes, right? Like someone like you're, you're coming under much stress in your life and you become resolute against it and determined. Like that's, that, that's kind of the meaning of, of this word when we find it outside of, outside of its usage here in Exodus. Um, but in Exodus, it is primarily used in this like he becomes resolute, right? He becomes resolute. So when we think about this, I don't want us to think about this hardening again as like he was headed in a direction and God's like, I'm going to like divert you and go this way. No, like God's like solidifying him. He's becoming resolute in the position that he was moving into. He was becoming who he was, right? More and more. And this is, a, this is like, when we think about the state of humanity, the fallen nature, the need for the gospel to be proclaimed, right? Without the word being preached, without those beautiful feet taking the gospel, we are all as Pharaoh. Now, God will soften cultures in time. And He does that by drawing in, by moving close. And God will harden cultures at times. And He doesn't have to like go into a culture and say, oh, you're headed in a good direction. Let me go and throw a wrench in that works. He need only step back. Let us become who it is that we are. Right? Like not influence us by nature. In, or by like the nature of the culture that we're in. Like not let that culture like let it go. Let it go. Step back away and um the wheels go off. This is that this is that hardening. Um and it, it just I think points to more and more who we are when we understand who we are apart from Christ. That we do not seek God. You are not the exception to that rule, right? You are not the exception to that rule. There is no culture under the sun that is an exception to that rule. And you may look and you may say, well, don't they seek after God? They seek after God made after their own image. 
No one wants a righteous God. This is why even for us as a believer, the idea that God could have, if He had chosen, left us in the state of the angels who had fallen makes us very uncomfortable. Right? That's why. Because that is that that like wanting to like rebel against the Creator, there's it's like there's still that seed that's like hanging on even within us who ought to know better. Right? So, um, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to look at these places um, with the bell having rang. We're just going to read these. I I want you, and then we'll come back and kind of um, dig deeper into this next week. I want you to pay attention as we read through these. um, Pay attention to who's doing the hardening, okay? Pay attention to the usage of the word hardening. Um, I I want you... To notice that in different times and different places, it will seem as though it originates more from Pharaoh, and then at other times it will seem obviously clear that it is God doing the hardening. I think that um, the purpose in this, the purpose in like, if you were trying to look at who was the originator of that, right, that it's going to be difficult for you to kind of tease that out, is because those, those actions coincide with one another. Right? Like, God cannot draw back from you and you stay fixed where you are. As He draws back, you grow in a direction. Right? That direction, you grow in the hardness of your heart. Right? And as God pushes in, as God pushes in, we change in the opposite direction. Right? Um, It just shows up. Yeah, right. There are lots of analogies that yes, they can be and 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 those uh, use those to help you when you think about this. Um, and I primarily bring that up because we do think about when we think about reading this hardening, we think about it as an unfair thing. And if we understand who we are apart from His work in softening our hearts, right? If we understand who we are, then, then this, like, God giving us up makes more sense that we go toward, like, all of history shows us that if God, if God draws back and, and, and allows us to our devices, that we, we don't grow into better people, cultures, society, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And when we get later on, and this will be next week, when we get later on into like the the potter and the potter being free to make one from the same lump, right? We think of that lump as a good lump. Like there's two good lumps, and he makes he makes out of one of those lumps um, for for like his glory, and he makes out of one of those other good lumps. Um, no, God took trash clay and made beautiful pottery, right? Like, it was not that he was working with good base materials. He's just a craftsman of, of the highest regard. So um, we're going to read through these. Pay attention. So Romans, or man, Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty 
hand. And then he talks in the latter part of that, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Okay, verse 21 of chapter 4, and the Lord says to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that See that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Chapter 7, verse 3, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians, Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Verse 13 of chapter 7. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord said. Verse 14. Of that same chapter, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Um, later on there in verse, the latter part of verse 22, so Pharaoh's heart remained hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Chapter 8, verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was, was a respite, that is a moment of rest, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord said. Uh, continue on there, the latter part of verse 19. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Uh, continue on down in chapter 8 of Exodus to verse 32. But Pharaoh's, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and did not let the people go. Continue on in, in chapter 9 of Exodus to the latter part of verse 7, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people go. Continue on verse 12, that same chapter, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. And then we get this quote that we're going to see later in verse 16, but for this purpose I have raised you up to show my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Ask yourself the question, does God have the right to do this? Must he show mercy? Is he obligated to us to show mercy? That's what we should be asking as we read a text like that. We'll touch that more next week. Um, but as for you and your servants, you know that... Um, oh, excuse me. Um, verse 34 um, of chapter 9. But when Pharaoh saw the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart... He and his servants, so the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Verse 1 of chapter 10 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in, in to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your sons and of your grandsons how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Um, verse 20 of chapter 10. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people go. Verse 27 of chapter 10. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let them go. Verse 
10 of chapter 11, Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people go out of his land. Chapter 14, verse 4, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 8 of chapter 11, uh, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. Verse 17 of chapter 14, And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go out after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Let's see, I think there's a couple more places here. Um, maybe that's it. Um, So, yes. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that yeah. it keeps, there's a purpose for the hardening that's even greater than what... Yes. So God will get glory in both. Mm-hmm. Now, so this is... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the pause button on, on this. God but. is God. That He is 